You sure are, and you know the number already to call in. Phone lines are uh, wide open, ready for you. Have questions about your employment, your job, your boss. Maybe you are the boss. Maybe you're thinking of letting someone go, possibly just maybe someone you know. A friend or relative just received a severance letter today, and they're not sure what to do about it. First of all, don't sign. We got that part down, but we'll uh, we'll dig deeper as those phone calls come in. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And for this show as well, one talk That is toll-free. You want to call in, get some uh, some advice and some answers. John uh, Pink is going to be doing the show again tonight. Good to have you here on a uh, Wednesday, John. Lots to get through. We're going to be talking about a few things, getting some emails, and among that stuff, the biggest mistakes individuals make that compromise their legal rights. This is a lengthy list. We have boiled it down to, what, the top seven and the top ten around there. So we'll get to that in between our phone calls and uh, some other things. But we always start the week, mon frere, with the week that was. What has been happening for you? Well, it's uh, it's good to be here, John, and good, I have man. to say, good good to be inside on this. <laughs> was not yes. uh, walked outside today on my way to the station and was not prepared for that. But yeah, no outdoor remotes tonight. That's for sure. We're going to keep it inside the studio, right? Right, and I hope everyone listening is inside, and and I hope that everyone uh, finds something useful to take out of today. And I'll, I'll just talk about a few situations. Uh, that came across my desk over the last couple of weeks that uh, people may be able to relate to that uh, may analogize to situations that you or, or someone you know uh, mm-hmm. may have experienced. So the first one involves um, a situation about someone who came to me asking about an unpaid wages issue. Okay. So basically they were let go from a job. They had been employed for only seven months, and they were offered a severance package, and they said they were still owed a few weeks' wages. So typically, this is something that you'd actually go to the Ministry of Labor for because it's just unpaid wages. But since we were speaking about it, I wanted to discuss his severance package with him. Now, he was only offered one week's pay, and he assumed that because he'd only been there for seven months, that was all he was entitled to. So, of course, I explained to him that this wasn't necessarily true. And in fact, likely he was entitled to several months' pay in light of his age, position, length of service under the common law. Uh, And anyone who's been in this situation after a short period of time who's gone to severance pay calculation. Uh, will have seen this because the common law recognizes, of course, that people with short tenures may take a longer period of time to find a job, so they tend to receive severance awards that at first blush seem out of whack for how long they've worked. So this gentleman was in his 40s, a middle managerial position, and so we figured he was entitled to about three months' pay. Now, that that was what I figured until I saw his employment contract. And that's when I learned that this particular employee was on a fixed term contract. Uh, And it was set to end not three months from now, but 11 months from now, because it was originally supposed to be an 18 month contract. And of course we were only at month seven. Well, here's where I had the really shocking news for this person. He wasn't entitled to three months' pay. No, he was entitled to 11 months' pay. Because what the law says is that if you have a guaranteed fixed term with no early exit provision and that fixed term is cut short, typically you are going to be entitled to the remainder of that fixed term. So for him, this was almost $92,000. And you can imagine his surprise. I I could hear him almost falling off the chair as he's hearing me tell him this. Uh, But the good news is he came to us in time before he signed any kind of release, uh, and we're going to help him get a fair severance package. So there's there's two lessons here. Uh, First of all, 
don't assume that just because you're a short service employee that you're entitled to less severance because even people who've been employed for one or two years, even a few months, can be entitled to substantial severance. So go to the severance pay calculator, www.severancepaycalculator.com. See the range of your entitlements, completely anonymous and free. And once you've compared that to what you've been offered, come talk to us. And the other thing is that if you're on a fixed-term contract, you've got to speak to a lawyer if that fixed-term contract comes to an end early. Because depending on the wording of that contract, you may actually be entitled to the balance, even without having to work for it. And as you can see, in this case, it was a $90,000 question. So give yeah. us a call, or if you would like to, uh, or if you don't want to speak to us, make sure you speak to someone who's an employment lawyer about it. Again, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Uh, things like that are not that uncommon. That's why we do this show. You want to call in, ask your questions. Uh, there is no silly questions. Believe me, the amount of misinformation and ignorance, and I mean not the kindest way about employment law, it's it's overflowing. So feel free to call in and ask your questions. One triple eight two two five talk toll free What else is going on in your world, pal? So the second situation uh, that I was going to talk about today is, is a, a young woman who's working as a salesperson for a small distributor. And over the last few months of her employment, the company had lost a huge market share to an American company uh, that, that came in, and this had an unfortunate effect on her numbers. The company's marketing department couldn't mm-hmm. keep up with this American behemoth, and as a result, this woman's sales were going down, and she wasn't hitting her targets. Now, of course, all the salespeople were hit to some degree, but she was hit particularly hard because she was, she was specializing in a line of products that this American company also happened to be well known for. So when it came time for the monthly sales reports, she stood out like a sore thumb. You bet. Yeah, so the company gave her one performance improvement plan, a second performance improvement plan, and eventually they fired her for cause, offering no severance. So the good thing for her is that she kept diligent notes at every turn and refused to sign the performance improvement plans, instead writing to the employer politely and respectfully, explaining why she didn't agree with the performance improvement plan and pointing out that what was going on was because they just couldn't keep up with this new American rival. So after she was fired, she called me and I told her two things. I said, first, good for you for putting all of these things in writing because as your advocate now, this is going to give me so much more leverage in the negotiations. By having her having sent emails, we have a time-stamped record of her objections to the company's attacks on her performance and the reasons why. And second... I told her it was extremely difficult to uphold a termination for just cause anyway, particularly when it comes to performance. So we're going to be negotiating with this company, and I anticipate that we're going to obtain a substantial severance package for her. So the lesson here is that if there's a performance improvement plan that you disagree with, speak up. Don't sign it and express those objections, ideally by email. Always be respectful, always be honest, but if an employer, if your employer is telling you that you're not performing and there's an alternative explanation that's legitimate, you've got to tell them. Tell them in writing, tell them right away, you'll thank yourself later. That's why you call the show as well. Get those answers right away while we're on the air. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, one 225 talk That number, of course, toll-free for the uh, duration. Robert, first one up, how are you, pal? All right. What's going on? Yeah, well, I used to be a seasonal worker 14 years and uh, was told I'd be coming back in the summer. Told that so many times, but never ended up coming back. Like, and that was uh, a couple years ago. Is that beyond the time? Unfortunately, if it's a couple years ago, uh, well, uh, when, when you say couple, do you mean two years? Do you mean three years? Because that, that's right around the, uh, the threshold. Yeah, two years. Two years. Is it? Is it two years exactly? 
Do you know the exact date? Uh, no, I, I don't have the exact dates with me, but it's because I would come back in the summer. So and like, uh, so so many times I'd be coming back, but I I never ended up getting back. Okay, so so Robert, I, I think it's very important that you call our office tomorrow first thing because you might be right on the cusp of a limitation period. Uh, the limitation period for a civil action or any action under the Employment Standards Act, either or, is two years exactly. So it's two years from the date you discovered your claim. So that's either going to be the date of notice of termination, the date that you were supposed to come back and you weren't called back. This is something we need to explore, and this is something where we need to act fast, right away. So I'd call us tomorrow. Uh, when you when you speak to our staff, tell them that, uh, that I told you it was urgent, because it is urgent. Uh, you may be just about to cross over into... Um, you know, a time period where you, you, you can't claim any of your entitlements. And you may have a claim there. You know, if you're a seasonal worker and it's a term of your employment where you get called back every year again and again and again, uh, you now have an employment agreement. You have an agreement that every year you're going to be called back. And if you're not called back, uh, arguably there should be some kind of either uh, notice or payment or severance there. So that's something we've got to look into uh, and we've got to do it quickly. So please do give us a call and, and do it tomorrow before you run out of time here. Okay, perfect. Because they said they will call me back after. How old? Uh, how old are you, Robert? How old am I? Yeah. 49. So he's almost fifty, John. He's got what fourteen years doing this. And what's your uh, what's your job? Uh, I was um, landscape lighter. What right. do you think, John? As far as what severance? Yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 possible you could be entitled to ten months or even even yeah. a year of your pay. Yeah. It's it's uh, I'd say you'd probably fall right around the the ten month mark. Of course, that's going to be based on uh, your seasonal earnings, uh, but this is something we need to look into for sure. So All you right. you could you, there there could be a substantial amount owing to you here because fourteen years is a long time to have a continuous arrangement. Yeah, exactly. So, that's why. Yeah. Uh... That's why, yeah, that's why he makes that phone call, and, and you answered it right there, right up to 10, 12 months' worth of, of pay that he otherwise probably didn't know he was entitled to. So it's a, it's a, it's a pretty smart thing he, uh, he just did there. Robin, I'm going to give you that number John spoke of. Yeah, immediacy, and uh, tell him he, it's a rush, indeed. one 821 5900 is the number to get a hold of John tomorrow, or simply help at employmenthour.com. You'll want to drop him an email as well. Still have plenty of times we get warmed up here on this Wednesday night edition of the Employment Hour, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell works as well. Richard, good evening. How are you? Hi. Um, I'm calling on behalf of a colleague who's really sure. been devastated by something recently. We work in a uh, straight commission environment, mm-hmm. and um, we have a uh, company with management and directors and uh, one of the directors uh, took some privileged information that someone would be uh, leaving a client, and rather than going through due process to award the client or put put it out for uh, more or less our tenders, he um, played upon the fact that one of the guys has a son who's autistic and said you wouldn't be able to uh, be considered for this because you would be required to spend so much extra time and it was pure conjecture and really awful stuff Mm -hmm. i'm wondering how many different levels is that wrong on Uh well i can think of perhaps two that that jump out of me right right out of the gate so the the first thing is that when you are in a commissions only structure i mean 
you, you of course don't have guaranteed commissions, right? Unless you have an employment agreement that specifically says you are guaranteed to make such and such amount of commissions, yeah. then you're, you're kind of on your own. That's just the nature of the beast. But you do have to be given an opportunity to earn those commissions, right? And, and, and if your employment has changed in such a way that those opportunities are deliberately removed where it is a certainty that you cannot make those commissions anymore regardless of your performance, then that can form the basis of a constructive dismissal, but you have to be very careful about that, and that's that's something that probably is going to require a long consultation. We have to see the nature of the change, the history uh, of that, uh, of how clients are distributed, and how much this this is worth to this person. The other issue I see here um, is potentially some discrimination on the basis of family status, right? So if this person has a substantial parental obligation um, to an autistic child. Um, and that company is discriminating against them, denying them opportunities as a result of that, that's problematic uh, from a human rights code perspective. So those are two issues that I think are worth talking about. Um, and, you know, if this is the kind of situation where um, he, you know, as, as many people don't want to leave, you know, he just wants this situation fixed, I think this is the kind of situation where we would um, reach out to them and say, "Look, you. We get it that he's on a commission structure, but you ha- you can't deny him opportunities because of an ob- uh, because of an obligation that he has." And I think that with a letter from a lawyer, uh, it's likely we'll set them straight because they're going to get a, le- a lawyer of their own who's going to tell them the exact same thing I'm saying now. So I think he should speak to us so that we can intervene and uh, you know fix this situation and set them straight. Can I get your uh, area code again? Uh, I got the number. Sure, Rich. I'll give you the whole thing. It's one eight five five. So toll free one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Email works uh, just as well. Help at employmenthour dot com. John, I see you on the line. We'll get to your calls as well. Stand by four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. You can also try one triple eight two two five talk. That is toll free. As we continue the Wednesday night edition of the Employment Hour, right here on Global News Radio. And the number to call in for the remainder of the evening uh, until about uh, 5210-416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, 1-888-225-TALK. That number is toll-free. You want to ask your questions, please call in, get them get them answered. Hey, John, thanks for hanging in, pal. How are you? Good, thanks. Good evening. Uh, so I have kind of a general question. When you calculate what se- uh, severance a person's entitled to, is there like sort of like a precedent that goes by, like, you know, usually... For example, in court cases, you know, the judge would look at precedent case, what happened in past cases. So how was it calculated? Because I have seen a severance pay calculator whereby you put your age, length of employment and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to know who recognizes it and what exactly is it based on? So what we'll do, we'll do a bit of legal history here, and I'll, I'll try not to get too academic. Um, but basically, the factors that the severance pay calculator is based on comes from a case from uh, about 58 years ago. Uh, and that case said that we we use those factors, age, position, length of employment, and the other factor that, that uh, is often looked at is called the availability of si- similar employment. And they try and predict in the circumstances um, what... So what it, how long it should take for that person to find a job? And what is the reasonable period 
that should be expected it's going to take for someone to find a comparable job to land on their feet. And there's other things you may look at. You may look at whether that person had a medical condition at the time of termination. You may look at whether that person is subject to any restrictive clauses preventing them from working somewhere. Um, You may look at the person's rate of pay. Is it an unusually high rate of pay? Is it an unusually low rate of pay? And there is tons of precedents, thousands of cases. And this is what we do as employment lawyers. We pour through those cases. And by looking at those, we can predict the range of what a person is likely to receive uh, in front of a judge. Uh, And that's how we determine severance entitlements, and that's what the severance pay calculator is based on, ultimately. It's built upon that algorithm, right? Mm -hmm. This sounds like a lot like like what insurance comes to, like with actuary, like based on different kinds of sort of variables, and this is what a person would be entitled to. Like, I I just wanted to know, like, how it's put together, because you mentioned 58 years ago. Is that not something that I guess that always gets updated? I guess would that be, like, safe to say? Yeah, so the, 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 the anchor decision is from is from almost 60 years ago now but that that decision is constantly updated constantly reviewed uh and um constantly applied to new situations it's growing it's flexible uh and that's how we uh, that's how we get to where we are Again, you want to try it for yourself, whether you need it or not. Uh, we're over half a million users, by the way, have gone to it, severancepaycalculator.com. And just to talk a little more about the uh, the app itself, computer, uh, phone, tablet, it works on all things. You can't pay for it if you wanted to. There's nowhere to put input a credit card. It's completely anonymous. If you want to reach out and contact John or Lee or afterwards, you can do so at the bottom of the calculator. There's also a switch for employer mode. So if you're an employer looking what your uh, common law rights should be, if you're letting go of an employee to uh, give them the proper severance, you can do uh, that as well, severancepaycalculator.com. We have uh, lots of room still on the phone lines, wide open, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You have questions of your own to call in. We'd love to uh, love to talk to you here for the remainder of the evening. Yeah, the biggest mistakes individuals make that compromise their legal rights. I'm going to start going through these, John, and I know, you want, I know you've narrowed this list down for me, a lengthy list, and we've got it down to, I think, seven or eight, possibly nine uh, nine talking points I want to get to because these are very common. Um, signing a contract without speaking to a lawyer. If you look at it yourself and you go it alone, never a good thing, right? Yeah, it's never a good thing to sign a contract, especially when it's uh, when it's you know your the the first contract you're signing with that new employer, and sure. without speaking to a lawyer and understanding what it is you're giving away. And this is probably one of the most damaging mistakes that you can make as an employee, uh, because when you get a new job or promotion or a raise, you know you often get so excited about what's been just offered to you that you don't think about what it is you're being asked to agree to. And this is an extremely dangerous thing to do. Because keep in mind that for most people, this this is a contract that you've had no role in negotiating. You've had no input into it. So, right. so think, what are the chances that your employer has put in something to protect you? And that, that's not to say that it never happens, but typically those contracts are going to restrain what you will be paid at termination, restrain how, how where you can work after your termination or after you resign, limit your entitlements to a bonus, and a whole host of other advent- disadvantageous terms. So before you sign anything, speak to a lawyer because this may be a contract that you want to negotiate. This may be a job that you don't want. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that uh, when it comes to the employment contract. If you were to, you know, take a microphone now and walk down the street here outside the studio and talk to 50 people and say, here's an employment contract, what's the most important thing you're going to look at? I guarantee you 99% of them will say, 
how much I'm making, and how many holidays I get. It's not the most important stuff on there. Like you said, there, there could be terms in there that could damage you 20 years down the road when you get let go and you get, you know, because you signed something that gives you eight weeks, the employment standards minimum, you've totally given away your common law rights. It could have you earning two years pay, right? I mean, that's, that's exactly. a big problem. Exactly. Right? Now, now, to be fair, salary is pretty important. So uh, no, you, you want to sure. get, get that one right, <laughs> but... Mm-hmm. That's that's only one of the terms you've got to look at, and termination right. uh, a termination clause can be so devastating, especially you find out 15 years later, and then I get on the phone with people who are just kicking themselves uh, for signing it. And once you yeah. signed it, that's that's it. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Moving over to uh, Ahmed. Hey, Ahmed, how are you? Uh, hi. Uh, how are you? I have, a, I have just a question. Actually, I was being uh, let go for cause probably 18 months before. Just wanted to cross check. I still have any legal rights to pursue against an employer. 18 months ago, you you got the uh, termination letter? Yes. So that means that you probably have about six months left. So I would recommend that you contact us as soon as possible. Uh, because uh, you are starting to get a little bit dangerously close to the limitation period, but Ahmed, you still have time. It is not too late, so uh, give us a call. Um, and you don't have to d- discuss this now, but uh, if, if you don't mind me asking, what what was the reason? What was the cause? Actually, uh, I was being let go uh, in the breach of confidentiality. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, that, that can be something that in certain circumstances can can rise to the level of just cause, but just cause is a very extreme position to take. So I, I would uh, definitely uh, reach out to us and talk to us because, uh, I mean, how long were you working there? Mm, 18 months. Oh you, were, oh, you were working there for 18 months? No, I, I, I was working there for 18 months, but uh, I was let go in the month of April of 2017. So it's been 18 months from my let-go date as well. Okay, okay, so that's why. So you've been working there, you worked there for a year and a half. Okay, and what position were you working in? I was into a banking sector and a a senior financial advisor position. Okay, Hmm. and and how old are you? I am 40 at this moment. Okay, well, I'll tell you this. If If it turns out that it was not just cause, if it turns out that they did not have just cause, to terminate your employment, then um, you you know you could easily be entitled to four months' pay here. Now you you have lost you have lost the right to go to the Canada Labor Program to seek reinstatement. So that that timeline is very quick. That's ninety days. Um, but uh, you probably because of your position wouldn't have been entitled to go down that route anyway. So the good news is um, you are still going to be entitled to bring a civil action. So give us a call. Let's talk about it. Let's let's walk through what this alleged breach of confidentiality was, uh, and let's hear your side of the story. And if it turns out that you had a reasonable basis for doing the things you did or what they're saying was not true, then we may want to bring an action on on your behalf. And so uh, I would give us a call tomorrow. Um, I appreciate the uh, the call. Here is that number again, one 821 5900 Get a hold of John at that number tomorrow. Help at employmenthour.com is another way to reach out and uh, and get back to it for sure. We're talking about biggest mistakes individuals make that compromise their legal rights. Another one here is, um, and you talked about this in the week that was in the first part of the show, and that is that they don't have written records of important events or conversations they had with other coworkers or HR or supervisors for that matter, right? 
Yes, this is really, really critical. It's always good practice to put things in writing because if you don't put it in writing, it's almost as if it doesn't exist, right? Because it's going to be your word against that person's word. And that's not to say it's impossible to prove, but it is much, much harder. So if you've just had an important meeting with your boss, uh, put it in writing. If something has just been said to you that you disagree with that, that strikes you as important, put it in writing, put it in an email, talk about what was said and how you would respond. You know, sometimes what an employer will do, for example, is fire someone who's on a medical leave, do it verbally, tell them not to come back, and then once we get in the picture, the employer says, "Well, wait a minute, what are you talking about? We did, this person was on a on a medical leave. We didn't uh, we didn't fire them." So, so right. don't make that mistake. Make sure that if your employer has wronged you, that you memorialize that. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell one triple eight two two. Five talk toll free tonight to call in and ask uh, your questions here with John Reza. Hello there, how are you? Yeah, how you doing, sir? Uh, Good, pal. What's uh, what's your concern? Uh, I'm driving for Uber. I, it's been a while. I had this concern about this position that the company has regarding the size of it, regarding the drivers as the independent contractors. This is a new trend. It's going on with some other companies. I think they're setting some kind of example. Uh, we've been carrying the logos, the lights, you can tell, hundreds feet away that the car belongs to either Lyft or Uber. Uh, mm-hmm. It just, in general, if you have any cases, because there's a lot of lawsuits, around 20,000 I was reading on some article against the company, regarding the uh, uh, the drivers had no recourse just because they're independent contractors. And overall, with the claims that these drivers making 25, 30 bucks an hour, it's just the, uh, it's false and that's not the case. Well, it's a, it's a very interesting question, Reza, and, and this is uh, an issue that's still making its way through the courts, and it's, it's actually uh, our firms involved uh, in this issue. So uh, the jury is out at this point. Um, our, uh, certainly our view is that uh, Uber drivers are, in fact, employees and, have, uh, and are misclassified and have been misclassified as independent contractors. This has been the case in, in several other jurisdictions. So, you know, time will tell to see if our, our court will recognize uh, that reality on the ground uh, but for now we just have to we have to wait and see because it as I said it's an issue that's uh, making its way to the courts all right thank you thanks for all right time. thank you thanks for the drive drive safely by the way when you're uh when you're out there, for sure. Uh, we're talking about the biggest mistakes individuals make that compromise their legal rights. Uh, failing to keep track and submit their overtime. We get calls about this all the time. How far can I go back? I haven't, I'm, you know, I've never been paid for overtime. It's been mm-hmm. over five years, so on and so forth. It's a big one, right? It is a big one. And I cannot tell you how many times I've had employees come to me after they have been terminated telling me that they are owed all this overtime for so many years. And the first question I always ask them is, well, do you have any records of it? And unfortunately, right. most of the time is, well, no, I don't have any records of it. I just work really long hours. I used to work 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Well, of course, unfortunately, walking into a courtroom and just telling a judge that you worked really long hours and weren't paid enough isn't going to do you a whole lot of good. So the best thing is to have contemporaneous records of your overtime. Keep track of them as you go. Submit them to your employer as you go. And I have actually had a few clients over the years keep meticulous records of their overtime. And I have to tell you, it pays off. Uh, It's very difficult for employers to oppose those kinds of records. 
Uh, and remember also that you only have two years from the date of when that overtime is earned to do something about it. So if you are not being paid overtime, the time to act is now, not when your job is terminated, not when you have free time, right now. And the more that accumulates, the more risk uh, you run uh, to running up to your limitation deadline. You know, and I think it's it's worth mentioning as well, and I know you've talked about this, John, on the show many times, that when it comes to overtime, it's anything after 44 hours a, a week. It does apply to salaried employees, uh, with some few exceptions. There's managers and pool cleaners and IT people don't get overtime. But a lot of people think it just applies for hourly workers. That's not true. It, it's, it's not true at all. I mean, if you're, if you're yeah. working over 44 hours a week, um, then you are generally speaking going to be entitled to overtime. So some there are some people who are exempt. If you're a manager, if you're an IT professional, uh, if you're uh, unfortunately if you're a lawyer, <laughs> you don't get overtime. Uh, sadly, <laughs> sadly for me. So there, Big there, time. there are a, a, a few uh, a few exemptions uh, to that to that rule. And uh, sometimes yeah. there's different thresholds. For example, for truck drivers, they have different thresholds before they start earning uh, overtime. But mm-hmm. uh, but. Generally speaking, if you're being asked to work long hours uh, and you breach that 44 threshold, that's the time to start raising questions. It doesn't hurt to ask it because you never know if you're subject to an exemption before you ask the question, and you don't want to be right. wondering three years later, why didn't I claim that? You know, it, it, because I I've seen it; it can it can add up, and it has sometimes when we're negotiating a severance package for someone, the overtime claim is bigger than the severance. Uh, right. so it can really add right. up over the years. You know, changes to the uh, terms of employment, these things are like you're being relocated, they're changing it from days to nights, maybe they're changing your pay structure. There's a, there's a whole slew of these things that happen day in and day out. I know you deal with these, uh, these, these issues as well when people call in the show both and they show up at the, at the office as well. Well, that's also one of the big mistakes is waiting too long, right, to do something about changes of your terms of employment, then it's too late. Right. And so unlike a limitation period where you have two years, often when we're talking about a change to your employment, you don't have nearly that amount of time. You don't have one right. year. You, you usually don't even have one month. You need to really act right away. So, you know, when we're talking about something, for example, for job duties, now some people will have it in their employment agreement that your job duties can change from time to time. But if you don't, then they may not be able to change your job duties. And if they've effectively demoted you, that's going to be a problem. But if they demote you and you stay in that job and you work in it for the next year or the next six months, it's going to be very hard for us to come in at that point and say, he doesn't accept her, she doesn't accept it, and she now wants yeah. to treat it as a termination. Uh, constructive dismissals are tricky, they're complex, uh, and they can only be done with the with the help of a lawyer. And, and the, the tricky thing is that you really need to act quickly. You need to make that decision quickly. Are you going to stay? Are you going to uh, leave? Are you going to try and convince them to fix uh, the problem? Right. And so um, it's, like, uh, it's like that old song by The Clash, right? I stay or should I go? Should I go? Uh, should I go? And it's sometimes, true. sometimes the answer is, uh, yeah, I should go. Uh, you just well, can quick. you? Is it is it possible in in that situation when there's uh, changes to the terms of your employment? It might not be such a massive change. It's a change. You're aware of it as as an employer or an employee rather. But yeah, you want to be a good soldier. You want to be a team player. Can you? And we've talked about this on past shows. Can you try it out? Can you take it out for a spin and still say, you know what, guys, I gave it a shot. I, 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 I tacked on the extra hour of driving each way. It doesn't work with my family. It doesn't work with my current job lifestyle. I don't want to do that. Do you have that option? Sometimes that's really the only option. Sometimes that's the only right. thing you can you can really do if you want to preserve your right to a constructive dismissal. So another good example, I mean, the one that you 
gave is a good example, but the other one is changes in commission structures, right? So sometimes your employer will say something like, oh, we're going to change the region of your commissions. You're no longer going mm. to be covering Brampton. Now you're going to be covering Mississauga. Well, I've I've never covered Mississauga before. I don't know what those sales leads are like. I don't I don't know what my what income effect it's going to have in my income. It might even be better, but I don't want to presume that it's going to be better because I've got right. three kids to feed, and 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 what if it ends up being half my salary? So the only way that you can really deal with that is to say, look. I see this change. Uh, I'm a little apprehensive about it. I don't know if it's going to work for me. Uh, and if it has a major impact on my salary, just so you know, I, I am reserving the right to treat that as a termination. Don't try and write that yourself. Give us a call so we can so we can guide you guide you through it. I mean, sometimes you can you can craft these on your own, but it, it is best to be guided by a lawyer so you understand what it is that you have a right to object to and what it is that you don't. Uh, but yeah, trial period is is often the way to go. You want to reach out, by the way, anytime when the show is not on the air, get a hold of John Lior, a member of the team at the firm. It's uh, simple, one 855 821 you still got a few minutes to call in here on this show uh, tonight to ask your questions as well. If something's uh, got you scratching your head, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sell and one triple eight two two five talk that is toll free we're talking about the biggest mistakes individuals make that can compromise their legal rights you've got a ton of them do not compromise them and again we've done full shows on this and that is allow employer to put them on a quote-unquote temporary layoff we love the temporary layoff right so this is something that you have to be careful about also if you're put on a temporary layoff uh, don't just agree to it, especially if you've never been put on one before. Because if you do that, um, then number one, it's going to be difficult to claim it as a, or or more difficult anyway, to claim it as a constructive dismissal. Not necessarily right. impossible, but more difficult than it would have been otherwise. And also, you are arguably giving the company the right to do it again. Usually, if you're being put on a temporary layoff and you don't want to have that happen to you, the best way to do it is just go to a lawyer. And then, you know, we treat it as a termination and get you a severance package and get you somewhere where they're going to be a little bit more respectful uh, of your rights to severance. Uh, because what a layoff, what a temporary layoff really is for most people is it's a termination, termination without severance. That's yep. what it is. We're going to uh, move on to this one as well, compromising your legal rights. Now, this one, we're going to slide under the category of the onus is on the employee. Now, that is you don't stay in touch with your employer when they're on a medical leave. Yeah, this one is a big, big mistake. Yeah. A lot of employees go on a medical leave and they assume, well, I'm on a medical leave, company knows that I'm sick, so why do I have to do anything? And the thing is is that, yes, the company does have to hold your position for you as long as, uh, as, long as they're able to, but as an employee, you also have a duty to cooperate. So the best way to show that cooperation is go see your doctor regularly and send doctor's notes. And if the company is asking you for information, not on your diagnosis, they don't have a right to that, but on your prognosis, on the accommodations yes. that you'll require, when your next follow-up visit is, these are things an employer absolutely is entitled to know. You have to give them this information. You have to keep them in touch with your doctor so that they can be a part of this process because you're asking them to keep your job open for you. You have that right but they also have to be a part of this process. We'll slide a, uh, another call in here. we got some time. Derek, good evening. How are you? I'm all right. Good, pal. What's going on? Uh, I have a question about uh, our company handbook. We had a company handbook that was just put out recently, and I'm curious about signing the acknowledgement to it, uh, whether it's a legally binding document or not. Oh, great question. Yeah. So, um, you know, a, a company handbook is is 
binding in a sense where they're putting you on notice of certain company policies. So if there's company policies with respect to dress code, alcohol and drug policy, conflict of interest, um, these are things that if you violate them, it will matter later on that you sign the company handbook. Now, on the other hand, things such as um, clauses with respect to the termination of your employment um, or clauses uh, arguably with respect to non-competition, non-solicitation, most of the time clauses like that are not going to be enforceable if they're contained in a company handbook, especially if you're signing that handbook midway into your employment and you're not being given anything for it. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I actually dropped you an email about this, and I, I asked some specific questions, if you could follow up on that for me, maybe after after the phone call. For sure. Love to. Okay. Uh, I appreciate it very much. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate uh, appreciate your call and the follow-up as well through a uh, through a phone call after the show. You got the email. That's helpandemploymenthour.com. It's 1-855-821-5900. Um, Sometimes uh, employees get frustrated and they compromise their legal rights by quitting because they don't feel they have another choice. That's never good to do. Yeah, it's it's never good to do because it, it kind of goes back to the, the kinds of things we were talking about earlier. I mean, if, if you have another opportunity or you're really just not feeling fulfillment in the job anymore, that's one thing. But if you feel that you're being pushed out and, and you're, there are changes that are being done against your will – um, this is something that you need to talk to an employment lawyer about because you have rights about that. If, if, if you're leaving because of something the employer has done and what they've done has effectively violated your employment contract, then they've, you're not quitting. They've terminated you. Right? They've, yeah. if, if they've made it impossible for you to continue working there, then it's the same as uh, handing you a termination letter. So this is where you need to speak to an employment lawyer and talk about what rights you have in that situation. Got about a minute to go, so I'm going to slide in a quick email. I know we can answer this one quickly. Uh, Grant just wrote in and says, are you still entitled to severance if you were employed for under a year? How much would it be? Well, that's that's a, a great question. It's actually oh. it's kind of similar to the situation we were talking about earlier. So at the, the, the start of the hour, I, I mentioned a situation where someone was under a fixed-term contract, uh, but... Uh, the the general rule is if you're if you're under a year and you're not under a fixed term contract, which is usually the case, usually you're an indefinite term employee. We're going to look at your right. age, position, length of service, and it's not uncommon for people of less than a year to be entitled to three months, four months, six months. If you're in an executive role, it could be even ten months, twelve months. There's a huge range of entitlements uh, that, yeah. uh, and it, it really is um, quite. Quite uh, a, a wild uh, variety. So that's where you want to go on the severance pay calculator and find out what you're owed. Yeah, proportionally greater severance for short-term employees generally you look at uh, quite often. We'll, uh, we'll take it from there. Good job tonight and all your phone calls if you manage to get through. We appreciate those calls. Want to follow up after the show now with John or Lior, member of the team, simple, one 821 5900 Email is help at employmenthour.com. We've uh, mentioned it several times. Tonight as well, you'll want to know what you should be uh, owed, what you should be have coming to you as far as severance, severancepaycalculator.com. We're back here on the weekend shows and, of course, Employment Hour and 30 happens on Saturday, Sunday mornings on Global TV and CTV, respectively. On Point with Alex Pearson returns. Don't go anywhere. It's on the way next on Global News Radio.